Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Student Section. I'm your host, Jack Duffy. I am a football beat writer for the Red and Black, the student newspaper at the University of Georgia. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael Hull, a football beat writer for the Independent Florida Alligator, uh, the University of Florida's student newspaper. Uh, and, you know, we are here at the end of the college football regular season. The playoffs have been selected conference championship ended uh and i don't know what to say about it yeah, i was about to say how did how did it how did saturday go for you jack how how are you feeling right now um are you okay <laughs> i listen I, I i wasn't i was not okay. yeah i texted you a few times during it i was just like this this dude's not okay right now. <laughs> I I was going through it. I really was. Uh, because if you heard my our, our podcast last week, um, I was confident. I really was, and that should have been the first sign of something alarming. Because anytime I go into a Georgia game confident, uh, disasters is awaiting, and that is exactly what happened. Um, anything that could have gone wrong went wrong for Georgia on Saturday as they fell to Alabama 41 to 24, which by the way, just a fun little nugget to start this whole thing off the exact same score as the Georgia Alabama game a year ago with Stetson Bennett as quarterback. Um, that's a whole is, is, is there a common denominator there? Is that what I, you're I think there's a little bit? I think there's a little <laughs> bit, but I, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't covering this game because that would have just been brutal. I like uh, shout out to my sports editor, assistant sports editor, Drew Hubbard and Jake Jennings for covering that game because Lord knows they were in it. They, they, they came back the next day and produced a uh, SEC championship review paper. And, and that was a fun one to look at. Um, but man, I'm like, honestly getting ready for this podcast. I was like, I'm kind of at a loss for words. It was really, really tough to to watch Georgia just absolutely implode on themselves. And uh, like, obviously, this is Alabama. This has been the narrative for every Georgia Alabama game for the last 12 years. I mean, they haven't won since 2007. And um, this past Saturday was no different. Uh, Alabama was the better team. They, They came out and they were more motivated. Um, a lot of the game planning that Kirby Smart and his his staff put in, uh, I think they had the right idea, but they didn't adjust mid game. Um, and I mean, I, I I just want to get into it honestly. Like the defense, it failed. It, it failed. The the number one defense in the nation absolutely utterly failed. Uh, and I am now on the board of boat of if you cannot score, you will not win a championship in the, in this day and age of college football defense doesn't win championships anymore, folks. It just does not. Um, Bryce young. I, he won the Heisman on Saturday. And part of it is because Georgia and Kirby smart decided they were going to play soft, uh, a, a pass rush, not really, uh, be aggressive on that end. They rushed three or rushed four, pretty much the majority of this game. And you look at that decision after Auburn just obliterates the Alabama offensive line in the Iron Bowl for seven sacks. 
because they were bringing five, they were bringing six people at times. Like, I, I don't know how you look at that game and you, 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 in Kirby Smart's mind, you, you think like, Hey, let's just bring three or four and see if we can do that. Cause our defensive line is good enough. And it, it wasn't like, you can't do that. You got to bring five. I have a stat. I have a stat. Bryce young, when Georgia rushed four or fewer defenders was 13 for 19 for 297 yards. That is as absolutely brutal for the defense. When we rushed five or more, Bryce Young was one for 11 for 24 yards. I, Michael, I, like what, what, what do we think of this play calling from Georgia on the defensive side? I mean, I think you just summed it up perfectly. Like I was at a loss for words a little bit watching it too. I was like, where is the Georgia defense we saw during the season? I mean, now they did a good job shutting down the run as they usually do. Bama couldn't really move the ball that way. But like you said, Bryce Young won himself the Heisman. Um, And because Georgia gave him time to throw, like not bringing extra guys, not bringing blitzers, thinking you just win with three or four guys, which it's Alabama. It's Alabama's offensive line. You, you're not going to be able to beat them just bringing three or four. You're just not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was really surprised at that. Um, at some of those play calling. Um, I was also really surprised at the lack of rushing on the Georgia offensive side. This was a team that was averaging almost 200 yards a game heading into the, heading into the SEC championship. And they had 109 and averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Um, I don't know what you saw from that, but they, it, it looked like a different offense. It, it was, and, and that's what happens. I mean, this was the first shootout the Georgia offense has gotten in all season, obviously, because the, the Georgia defense before this game had only been averaging 6.9 points allowed. Um, but this Georgia offense uh, abandoned the run way too early. Uh the first and second quarter, they were running the ball well. They were moving the ball down the field, and they were getting a nice mix of, of run and pass. They were getting good balance. And, and, I mean, they jumped out to this 10 nothing lead. Obviously, the defense kind of failed in the second quarter, which is where disaster starts. I, I guess we can dive into the second quarter um, where they scored 24 points. But whenever Alabama got that lead, the – Georgia offensive play calling completely abandoned the run. And and I think with a whole half left and so much time on the clock, that is absolutely the wrong decision. Uh, I think, you know, obviously you want to get back in it and and one play can do that through the air, but Stetson, here we go. Stetson Bennett is a game manager. Like there's no, At, at, at best, at best. I said last week, if he's turning the ball over, Georgia's in for an interesting one. And and I was correct. He turned the ball over twice, and they got blown out. But um, he's a game manager at best. He doesn't make dynamic plays through the air. He can't. He doesn't have the deep ball. Uh, so completely abandoning the run is just absolutely setting Stetson Bennett up for failure. Um, because trying to make plays through the air, you're, you're not going to get it from him. Um, and in a shootout, Georgia cannot roll out Stetson Bennett and expect to win. Like you just can't, you can't Stetson Bennett is good whenever he's up big and he doesn't have to make the throws. I've been saying it all year. We haven't seen Stetson Bennett need to make throws. 
uh, and he had to on Saturday, and he threw an interception driving into the red zone, and he threw a pick six. Um, that, I mean, he threw for a career high 340 yards because all we were doing in the second half was passing. I was about to say, stats can be very empty. Just ask um, the guy who had to cover Emory Jones's career day against Sanford. Like, stats can be super empty. Um, when you look past those, it's it's not great, like you were saying. Yeah, and, and I, I look at that, and I just think, I don't know why JT Daniels did not sing, uh, see a single snap of the SEC championship. I, I mean, if I was Kirby Smart, I mean, after the pick six, when we're down, the Georgia Bulldogs are down 38 to 17, you need a spark. Like, it's the fourth quarter. You're probably not going to win this game, but you you have a chance to at least take something with you to the next game. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why JT Daniels did not see the field a single I, – I just don't. I mean, do you think Kirby's seeing something in practice that makes him think JT is a worse option than Stetson? Because I was saying that I was watching with Ryan Haley, who's been on the show before, and we were both wondering, like, when it got into the third quarter, where is, where is JT? Like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, because I've been on the JT train like all season asking where he is. He was actually my pick for offensive player of the year. Obviously didn't turn out very well. We'll get into all those later. Yeah. But you had to think that just even just to provide a spark, even if Kirby doesn't think he's the long-term like solution, like just a switch would have done something for the offense. Right. I, and I, I mean, the way they were running the offense too. Strictly pass. Uh, I mean, James Cook and Zamir White basically did not get a single carry in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you're playing that kind of game plan, you got to have a natural pure pocket passer who can make tough throws, who can step in whenever there's pressure and, and get the ball to his receiver. And Stetson's not that guy. I And I have gone – from not liking Stetson at all to tolerating him because we were winning and winning big with him. So there obviously wasn't a need for change in the regular season. But you saw Saturday what Stetson Bennett does when he has to throw the ball, when there's a shootout, when the game's on the line and the defense isn't getting stops every single drive. Because there were a few drives where the defense did stall Alabama's offense. And and in those drives, the offense needs to come out and score and and get you back into this game. Because you can't expect the defense to stop Alabama every single time. But the times they do, you have to take advantage. Um, And and plain and simple, Georgia didn't. And it's I'm not putting it all on Stetson because obviously it's a team failure. one highlight from anything Georgia put out was that Brock Bowers is literally going to be the best tight end in college football for the next two seasons. Um, He's going to be a first round draft pick come 2024 or whenever it is, because um, man, he's a beast, but it's not completely on Stetson, but I just, if I'm Kirby, you need to infuse a spark into that offense just so they have some momentum. Like 
there was no life on that offense in the second half. There was nothing. They scored seven points. Like it was the exact same kind of performance that they saw a year ago when they got shut out of the second half by Alabama, uh, who was well on their way to winning a national championship that season. So, I mean, credit to Alabama, Nick Saban, obviously he's the goat for a reason. He's, and Jamison Williams, my God, like, <laughs> yeah, that's future, future Jaguar, Jamison Williams. There you go. You. There you right. go. Uh, Jamison Williams. I'm going to like, I, I have nightmares. I'm having nightmares every <laughs> single night since that game about him. Like even when he was double covered, he was wide open, which is, is mind boggling. Um, he, he's a beast. Uh, obviously Alabama lost John Mechie in that, that game, which, if Georgia and Alabama were to reconvene in a potential national championship, I that would play a factor, but you, you still got to stop Jamison Williams, which they pro- proved that they couldn't. Um, so that – it was very lackluster from Georgia. I expected a lot more. Obviously, I predicted Georgia to win by two possessions. And as Ashley Woods would have me say, I am eating my words, Georgia – absolutely was not that team they they didn't deserve to be in the same sentence on saturday as alabama no they didn't which was shocking i was with you and i have to eat my words too ashley made it very clear that you had to on the podcast so like credit to you for that she was very she was very uh she needed you to say that she she pointed out multiple times um, she called me crazy. In the she was right. media poll group chat or on Twitter, she was like, Hey, remember when you said this? And you're just like crying and like, Yes, <laughs> I remember. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't need this reminder right now. Um, but yeah, like you said, it just Alabama looked like they wanted it more. Like it's a cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. Like, and, and that that part struck me the most because I'm looking at this Georgia team. They haven't won – Georgia hasn't won a national championship since 1980. They're 12-0 for the first time since then. They haven't beaten Alabama since 2007. They haven't won the SEC championship since 2017. Why don't you want it? Why don't you want it? What, where, where is the fault here? Like, why, why do you think you can just walk on that field and think you can compete with Alabama with your C game? Like, maybe Nick Saban just, like – has a curse on Kirby smart or something. Yes. Maybe it's supernatural at this point. I, I don't know, man. Like there is, there is clearly, and I I've been saying this for a while. I, I thought they were going to get over the hump this past weekend and I was wrong, but there's a mental block in this Georgia team. I don't know if it's Kirby. I don't know if it's the players. It's probably all of the above, to be honest. Um, but there's just a mental block with Alabama and, I think the defense uh, got a much-needed wake-up call because of it. And, and say what you will about the defense. I mean, it's been the best in the country all season. But I think they they were just eating their press clippings all, all week long, thinking, hey, we're the best. We can just walk in and be, like, the best. And they weren't. They got outclassed. They got outclassed. I, mean, I saw this on Twitter. I forget who it was. I apologize if you're out there and you're listening and you said this. <laughs> um, Kirby Smart is basically Coach Klein from The Water Boy, and Nick Saban is Coach Red. Like, it's just 
he owns it. He lives in his mind rent free day and night. And that's just how it happens. Um, Every, everyone, I really thought this was going to be the year that Kerber was going to get over that Saban hump. I I really did. Yeah. Um, Man. I mean, maybe, maybe Georgia will have another shot, you know, they have Michigan in the playoff. Bama gets Cincinnati. So you could see a rematch in the national championship. Yeah. But who knows, man? It was it was a weird game. Yeah, it, it was definitely weird. I I was expecting better, obviously. I was very sad after the game. Um, and like you were saying, Ashley was just trying to make me eat my words all Saturday, like uh, all the way up until now. And I don't think I was mentally prepared to do it until like recording this podcast, but um it was it was definitely a tough Saturday. Um, but you know, in the first the first time in this podcast history, Georgia's lost. So I I really can't complain. I really can't complain. The regular season has been great, um, and they're the, the Bulldogs are in the playoff, so they're still the the season's still in front of them. There's two games to wipe all of this away, um, and we'll we'll dive into that in a little bit. Um, but because this regular season conference championship is over. We are in the postseason now, and so it's time for us to revisit some of our preseason projections and um, dole out some postseason awards. So if you are new to the podcast, in week one, we uh, predicted offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year, and then some like dark horse teams. Um And so I think what we're going to do is pretty much the same. We're going to predict our offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, or not predict. We're just going to say who we think is, is that who is the most deserving in the SEC and then who's the coach of the year. Um, And then what team impressed us the most as we've been doing all season long and what team impressed us the least. And I have a little bit of a sneaking suspicion. I know what team uh, impressed Michael the least. Um, (laughs) Just a little I don't bit. know. You're going to have to keep listening to find out who, who knows. Yeah. So to, to start off, uh, we'll start at the top. We'll start at coach of the year. Michael, who's your coach of the year? So my preseason uh, prediction was Lane Kiffin. Um, we were on the lane train from the start. The we lane were both train, on man. it. I, I went all the way to say he'd be my coach of the year. And I'm going to stick with that. I think that, you know, you get Ole Miss to a 10-win season, to a top 10 finish, a Sugar Bowl appearance. Um, You make Matt Corral. He's going to be one of the top, if not the top quarterback off the board. Um, And he gets a contract extension. Like, this Ole Miss team was dominant for most of the year. Yeah, they had a couple down performances. I mean, looking at that game against Alabama. But, again, it's Nick Saban. Um, Lane did a great job with this team and what he's done in that program in such a short time is nothing short of extraordinary, honestly, to turn them into a perennial top five or top 10, top 15 team, super impressive in such a short time span. It was the reason he was named to all these big jobs and he decided to stay at Ole Miss, um, at least for the time being, we'll see what I'm sure next coaching cycle, his name will come up again and again. Um, but no, I would say Lane Kiffin. Um, yeah, I'm gonna stick with stick with my my original prediction. I I do like that pick. Um, and you know, it's been like you said, incredible to see what Lane has done in just like two years, such a short amount of time. 
um, because uh, when Oxford is rocking and, and the Ole Miss Rebels are good, the SEC is just – it feels better. Like, to have some other teams competing with Alabama in the West, it, it makes college football better. Um, and Lane Kiffin has certainly done a good job. Uh, as for me, I selected Kirby Smart to be the coach of the year because if we look back at my preseason predictions, I thought Georgia was going to go 11-1 and in the regular season, uh, beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, and I basically got the opposite of that. Um, I was kind of on the right track, but not quite. I, I got the 12-1 and record prediction correct. Um, and you look at the 12 and 0 regular season from Kirby smart. Um, obviously they put out the most dominant defense up until the sec championship. Um, and I, I don't see how you couldn't give it to him. I'm pretty sure he's, he's won the sec. Yeah. Yeah. The awards were announced today. Um, so we'll like name the list, like as we go through, but yeah, Kirby smart was, was coach of the year. Okay, so uh, I, I agree. It's, it's I, hard to argue with that. When you have a team that has made the playoffs uh, and obviously competed for the SEC championship and is not named Nick Saban because they don't want to give it to Nick Saban every year, um, I, I think Kirby Smart's the right call. And we'll see what he does with this playoff run, but uh, – He's done an excellent job. Obviously, he's set up Georgia for years with the recruiting he's doing. Um, so that's just another facet of why he should be coach of the year. Um, but, yeah, Kirby Smart, I'm sticking with it, uh, and I like the pick. So we're going to shift to offensive player of the year. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you said, Michael, your offensive player of the year was JT Daniels. Yeah, so this was before the season. Um, I just want to point that out. This was when I figured JT Daniels was going to start the majority of the year. You should um, have. <laughs> should have, as our Georgia writer points out, um, because I didn't think Stetson Bennett was any good. <laughs> I was. I think I'm right on that one. I still don't think he's any good. Um, so I did say JT Daniels. Clearly, he is not SEC Player of the Year. That title belongs to Emory Jones. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it is. It's Bryce Young. Yeah. Like, I want to say it's Matt Corral or just like go off book, but it's Bryce Young, man. I mean, what he did against Georgia, just Georgia alone, 26 of 44, 421, three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. He just looked dominant. He had 43 touchdowns to four interceptions on the year. Um, and I'll give him a lot of credit coming into the year especially early on i was like i don't think this guy is that good yeah um but then he showed up time and time again like he struggled a bit in the auburn game but that last drive he looked like a future nfl star in the iron bowl um and then looked to the part in the sec championship i think he's going to be your heisman winner um and he was the sec offensive player of the year like as well that was just announced today yeah, it's it's Bryce Young, and I don't think it's close, unfortunately. I love Matt Corral. We all love Matt Corral, but it's Bryce Young. Yeah, and I, I mean, like you said, we love Matt Corral. I was on Matt Corral preseason um, as we were riding the lane train uh, into Oxford. You know, I picked Matt Corral to be my offensive player of the year, and I think he had an excellent season. Uh, don't get me wrong, but like you said, Bryce Young is going to be the Heisman winner 
for a reason. Um, he, if people thought Bryce Young's Heisman moment came in the last drive against Auburn to send it to overtime, um, the entire SEC championship was just icing on that cake because uh, he obliterated the number one defense in the country. And, and like, I mean, what can you say? Um, he has shown time and time again throughout the season uh, that he can lead the Alabama team to victory, even when they're not playing their best. Um, like plenty of times this season, Alabama was down or they were in a tight game and Bryce Young has led them out of that. And I think that's an excellent quality out, out of him as a quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't – maybe other than Bryce Young, you could maybe say his wide receiver, Jamison Williams, uh, because he's also had an insane year. Um, and I would pick him as, like, my wide receiver of the year if that was a, an option, obviously. But, uh, yeah, Bryce Young, he's, he's the man, man. I, I witnessed it, and I had to – Suffer through four quarters of it. So uh, Bryce Young, man, Offensive Player of the Year. Michael, Defensive Player of the Year. We both picked Derek Stingley to start the season. Yeah, that um, no, no, that one didn't no. work out too well. Not to too well. Fair, how many games did he end up even playing in? Not many. I don't think he played a lot because he was injured, and then you know the whole spiel with Ed Orgeron happened. Um, yeah. And I honestly think he, he played checked in out. eight or no, he had eight total tackles this year. Um, he played in three games this season. Yeah. He had, and, and, he didn't, and he, his last game was September 18th. Um, so obviously we were wrong about that one. Yeah. But I'll, we rebound we'll, we'll that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we'll admit we were wrong there. I think we're both going to have the same guy for SEC defensive player of the year. I'll let you go first on this one though. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's another Alabama player. Uh, yeah. how, how could you not go with Will Anderson Jr.? Um, I mean, let me just let me just read off his stats. He's got 52 solo tackles on the season, which is just the the lead up to the big number. He racked up 15 and a half sacks all by himself. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. like what? <laughs> there are some teams that don't even like rack up 15 and a half sacks on a season. If they're, if they're not good at pass rushing and Will Anderson did it by himself. Like uh, the other consideration, I would say, I mean, you, you have plenty of options from that Georgia defense. Nicobe Dean would be a runner up in my mind for this pick because I, he won the butt kiss award for top linebacker of the year. Uh, which I don't know how he won it over Will Anderson, to be honest, but uh, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs will take it. And I'm sure Nakobe will take it, but Will Anderson far and away was the defensive player of the year in my mind. And uh, I don't think there should be much debate about it. No, I agree. I'm with you. Um, you mentioned 15 and a half sacks. Those sacks went for a loss of 96 yards. Um, so he almost sacked opposing quarterbacks, a full football field. For comparison, Florida's two leading sack, two sack leaders were Zachary Carter and Bretton Cox. They combined for 84 yards total. Um, 
And they were both, they both had good seasons. Yeah. I think Zach Carter with eight, uh, Brent Cox was up there too. Cause he had like three or four sacks against FSU and had a great end to the season, but that's just how good Will Anderson was this year. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't close. Like, yeah, Damone Clark led the SEC in tackles with 136, which was great. He had a great season. Um, you know, Jalen Foster out at USC had a good year, um, but it was Will Anderson, and it wasn't close. It, it really it's just, wasn't. It's Alabama, you know, they just keep churning out these superstars, and it's never going to end. Nope. And as non-Alabama SEC writers, it's a little disheartening. I'm not going to lie to you. If Saturday uh, wasn't disheartening, I mean, <laughs> this this is just like, man, um, I don't even know how to describe it. But, yeah, uh, it's Alabama's world, and we're just all living in it. And yep. it's been like that since, like, 2008. So, oh. I mean, what what can you say? It's the Crimson Tide. They're probably going to win the national championship. I, I'm I'm sad. I'm saying this, and I'm really sad saying this because I really <laughs> thought it was the year. I He's holding back tears, by the way. This is an audio show, so you can't see. Like, it's, tears are falling down his eyes right now. Yeah, it's, man, I, I really thought it was the year. But, you know, that's why you play the games. And uh, it, national championships are not won on paper. So, uh, you know. The Alabama players are sweeping the awards. Uh, Georgia at least gets maybe the coach of the year for Kirby Smart. But, uh, yeah, which which brings us to our, our next segment. Uh, which team this year was the most impressive to you, Michael? Yeah, so I already talked about Ole Miss a good amount. Um, they were super impressive to me. I'll, I won't talk about them, though, um, since I already discussed them in – when talking about lane um i'll go with kentucky the kentucky wildcats finishing uh ranked 22nd in the country obviously had that three game skid in the middle of the season that kind of hurt them a little bit with losses to obviously georgia and then mississippi state and tennessee but besides that this was a really really good kentucky team um really a a well-rounded team um chris rodriguez out of the backfield was really strong will levis was good enough um and credit to coach stoops like he's put together a really really good team and they're really building something there which is concerning as (laughs) someone who supports or writes for and on his off time secretly supports the florida gators um it's secret now because they're not good at the moment exactly (laughs) don't tell ryan that i'll get fired but um and yeah, I saw them. I saw them beat the Gators in Kentucky, and I was like, "Oh, this is a terrible loss for Florida." Blah blah blah. But no, this was just a really, really good Kentucky team um, all around. That defense was dominant for most of the year. Like I said, Chris Rodriguez was one of the better running backs in the SEC. Um, it was like a Georgia light, like a very, very dieted down version of the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. I think that's what this Kentucky team was and will continue to be. They're going to be good for a long time. They're, yeah, uh, they're building here yeah, for sure. I agree. And I, I actually think Georgia light is kind of a good um, comparison for it because obviously Kentucky isn't known for bringing in high level recruits. And the reason Georgia is Georgia is because they have the talent. Um, they have NFL first ta- first round talent, literally everywhere scattered throughout their team. Um, but Kentucky 
was really impressive to me. Obviously, I I said uh, in episode one that Kentucky would be my dark horse team in the SEC East. I obviously I said they would finish third behind Georgia and Florida. Uh, they finished second because one of those teams did not live up to expectations ahead of them. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but you know, Kentucky was really impressive. I I really like their defense, but I'm gonna go with an SEC West team. I'm gonna go with Arkansas. Uh, yeah. Sam Pittman and Arkansas, man, like year two, they blew it out of the water. Um, they had multiple really impressive wins to me. Obviously, they beat Texas A&M. Uh, they beat Texas. Obviously, Texas ended up the season not being as good. But uh, Arkansas was really gritty on defense. They uh, made opponents work for all of their points. Like, I I don't know how else to describe it as, like, I, I think – the Arkansas defense is up there in like the top four defenses in the SEC, maybe behind Georgia, Texas A&M, Alabama. Uh, that Arkansas defense was really impressive to me. Um, uh, KJ Jefferson and Traylon Burks was a, a dynamic duo all season long. Um, and, you know, what Sam Pittman is building in Fayetteville is very similar to what I see uh, at Kentucky. I, I think it's the same kind of trajectory. I think, uh, Kentucky's trajectory just took a little bit more time, uh, obviously more building there, uh, but they're on the same kind of path. They, they're competing in their divisions, and that's what you want. You want teams to be uh, lively and competing uh, in the SEC, and for the most part, with Arkansas' schedule, I mean, they had the hardest strength of schedule coming into the season. I'm pretty sure it still stands as, like, one of the hardest Um and they 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 ended the season eight and four, uh, which is f- so far above expectations for the Hogs. I mean, people were wondering if they would even be bowl eligible, uh, and you know they're sitting at eight and four with a, a really nice bowl matchup coming up. Um, so I was really impressed with the Hogs, uh, and now I I think you know we're in for the best part. We couldn't escape Michael's Florida rant for a little bit. Uh, Michael, I'll let you take the floor for just like a, a little bit and, and talk about your least impressive team this season. I, I'm really curious to see who this is. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a tough choice. There were some disappointing teams in the SEC this year. Um, I wrestled with this for a while. Yeah. No, no I didn't. It was, <laughs> it was a team that, let's see, um, let's just run off some fun facts of this team before I name them. This team fired their head coach before the end of the season this team lost to an unranked lsu team this team lost to an unranked missouri team this team was three and nine against the spread this team should have lost to an fcs samford and allowed the most points ever uh, against an fcs team that an fbs school has ever allowed any guesses from the crowd on who this team is I, I'm really having trouble. I'm really having trouble, but I, I want to say it's uh, maybe it's the team in Gainesville. Yeah. Yes. It is the Buholes high school. No, it's the Florida Gators. <laughs> so the Florida Gators are my, my most disappointing team this season. They came into the year ranked 
in the top 15. They were, I think, 13th at the start of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Emory Jones came in with a lot of like draft Heisman dark horse hype. That all went away. Um, Dan Mullen came in like, oh, is he a QB whisperer, like kingmaker? Is he the best coach in the S? All this crap. That went away. He's fired. Um, but it's okay because he left Florida in a very, very good position. Oh, wait, no. Florida is down to seven commits for this upcoming recruiting class. Oh, no. Zero skill position players. Oh, no. (laughs) And they are behind the likes of Syracuse, Central Michigan, and East Carolina. They are ranked 76th nationally in the upcoming recruiting class. Um, I'll have you know those teams are powerhouses. They're powerhouses. Don't let anybody tell you differently. That's true. Shout out Syracuse J school. They're awesome there. Anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) they've got that going for them, but no, it was, I mean, it's, it's Florida and it's not close. Like I've already laid out the reasons all throughout the year. Um, I do think Billy Napier will turn it around. I know Florida Twitter is a little upset with some of the decommits that have happened over the last 48 hours. Calm down y'all. It's, it's a process. Billy Napier said that I said that last week um, on the pod talking about Napier and how much I like that hire. I honestly, after hearing his like um, introductory press conference, I got to cover it. Like, I think he's going to be the Florida coach for the next 20 years, unless he retires. Um, I do think he's that good of a coach and that good of a recruiter. Um, It's going to take time to rebuild what Dan Mullen destroyed single-handedly. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't recruiting season. So, like, no. he didn't need to recruit, you know? It's still not recruiting season, obviously. But... Yeah, obviously not. But yeah. this team, from losing by two and being a two-point conversion away from beating Alabama in week three in the swamp to going six and six and looking like a shell of the shell <laughs> of what the Florida Gators should be and have been before – I mean, yeah, it's the Gators and it's not even close, like yeah. di- most disappointing team. And it could have been better. It really could have. There were times where it looked like it might have been better. Like I said, Alabama game, they came out and looked dominant against Tennessee after that. And then lost to Kentucky, beat Vanderbilt, and then LSU, Georgia, South Carolina, should have lost to Sanford, and then lose to Mizzou. And you're staring down, barely becoming bowl eligible, which you are because you beat FSU, I guess, like cool nice go go you gators you beat florida state really proud of you um funny how that sentence has lost all meaning it's lost all meaning because both teams are terrible the eligible was won by the gators and they will be playing ucf in the gasparilla bowl that's their reward i can't Um, wait that's that's one of my favorite is what they deserve for this season if they had to be in a bowl they deserve a december 23rd bowl in tampa bay florida against the UCF Knights in the Gasparilla Bowl. That is perfect capsulation of this season for Florida. It's also like the top Sickos matchup of the season. Oh, all-time Sickos matchup. You have UCF, who's been clamoring that they're the best school in Florida for since their fake national title in 2017, Um, which, yes, it's fake. Sorry. Like, I think everyone agrees with that, except for UCF Nation. Um, even though now these teams are completely different. Both these teams stink. So it's like, it doesn't matter. I fully expect Florida to lose, 
um, and then just like never hear the end of it. Oh yeah. But why does it matter at this point? It shouldn't matter, but it will. And it'll be fun to watch in the way that it's like, it'll be like watching a car crash. You can't look away and you're like, why am I looking at this right now? But your eyes are just glued to it. Yeah, you're so, glued to the screen. Excited for that. Um, <laughs> Florida, most disappointing team. What about you, Jack? Who do you think was the most disappointing team? And you can't say the Gators because that would be biased. Right, right. You're right. You know what? You're right. And I was like, I mean, obviously Florida has been disappointing. And my little Georgia fan heart is is growing three sizes in the spirit of Christmas. Um, you know, but if I had to pick a team other than Florida, uh, it'll be a team that is ranked. I, th- I think they're still ranked. I, I'm not entirely sure, but Texas A&M, Texas A&M was the most disappointing team, not most because Florida was, but I'll pick another disappointing team. Texas A&M was a very disappointing team to me this season, because we're talking about a team that upset Alabama and you go eight and four, uh, this a Georgia team couldn't even beat Alabama. Texas A&M comes out. Obviously, they played in College Station and rock the tide um, and, and, and upset uh, Alabama there. But, man, like, I, I don't even know the ups and downs of this Texas A&M season to get to eight and four. It, it, it just mind boggles me a little bit. They lose to, to Arkansas and Mississippi State. Uh, both of those games they should have won. Um, and I, I mean, Zach Calzada and that Texas A&M offense just never really got it going. The only game they did was Alabama and obviously they won that game, but it was kind of just very inconsistent the entire, entire way through the season. Uh, and they finished the season off by making LSU bowl eligible. I mean, they were five and the LSU Tigers were five and six going in this game. And I thought if there's any team, because Florida and LSU were trying to fight for bowl eligibility in the last week of the season. And I thought Florida could probably get it because they were playing five and seven uh, Florida state or five and six Florida state at the time, but LSU was playing Texas A&M. I was like, Oh, Texas A&M is the better team. They're going to win this game. And Texas A&M doesn't show up. They lose to LSU in Baton Rouge and, and Zach Calzada um, can't really get it done. They, they just were really lackluster all season long. I, I mean, for Aggie fans, I know you're hearing this and you're like, Oh, Hey, we beat Alabama though. And, and like, listen, take that and, and hang it up on your, your wall because that is a highlight Obviously, I'm speaking as a fan of a team that can't beat Alabama. So enjoy it because I'll never know what that's like. Um, but, you know, uh, Texas A&M had the potential to be so much more. Uh, I, I think they could have easily been in contention for a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, and if you beat the teams before, like if you beat Arkansas, you beat uh Mississippi State then you go on and beat Alabama like you're you're setting yourself up for like playoff potential you're you're in contention for that kind of stuff um and Jimbo Fisher has uh, like he's on a stupid large contract and I just think he keeps missing those expectations I mean like 
what I understand he's bringing in recruits and, and they're at a high level in terms of that sense. But like when he comes to coaching on the field, what's the difference between him and Kevin Sumlin? Like, seriously, uh, he, he, the Texas A&M Aggies just don't play like they're one of the best teams in the SEC when the talent says they are. So Texas A&M has been a disappointing team to me in and of itself. I think Florida still takes the cake, but Texas A&M is close second. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I personally think the Aggies could have just had a better season. I agree. It, I think now is a good time to shout out for probably the last time this season, our beloved Vanderbilt. Oh yeah. Finished the regular season six and six against the spread. That yeah. was the same as the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know what? They are bull eligible if we count the spread. They are bull eligible in our hearts. Good teams win. Great teams cover. And you, Clark Lee is building something. I'm going to yes. say it. They have the 32nd ranked recruiting class for the class 2021. According better to than Florida. <laughs> Much better than Florida. It is better than Auburn, Baylor, UCF, who we talked about, UCLA, Wisconsin. The list goes on. Um, and it's sitting right behind Ole Miss right now for class 2021 they just got a kid a few days ago for the class 2022 a four-star quarterback aj swan gonna light the country on fire in a few years up there in nashville (laughs) um so yeah go commodores we love you as always vanderbilt six and six in our hearts six and six in our hearts you should be in a bowl and you'll get there one day you're gonna get there i believe in the vanderbilt it won't happen next year but 2020 2023 circling 2023 that is bowl eligible vandy year yeah i'm calling my shot two years early that's you heard it here first vanderbilt is going to be bowl eligible in 2023 mark it down old takes expose me two years from now i'll be somewhere i'll be out of college working a job and i'll get a tweet from jack being like hey remember when you said this when vandy's the number one team in the country i'm gonna be like i knew it i I told you called it and, and you know what if that happens if Vanderbilt's like even remotely close to the top 25 in 2023 I we're never going to let anybody hear the end of it so nope. so yeah I, I mean we love Vandy we've always been a Vanderbilt Commodore podcast they went 0-8 in the SEC but that doesn't matter they're building they're building they, they, they're building they're yeah building. so I mean that wraps up most of the the, the SEC regular season conference championship week and postseason awards um and you know we'll we'll dive into a lot of the bowl matchups next week um we are obviously got two teams in the college football playoff which we can talk about for a little bit now alabama uh, obviously won the sec championship so they're they switch spots with georgia one and three uh, Georgia makes it in because of their 12 and 0 regular season dominance. Um, and, you know, Michael, do you think the committee got it right? Do you think the, the rankings are, are accurate? Yeah, I'd say so. I was hoping for more chaos. Um, I know JJ post another student media poll voter was hoping yeah, Notre Dame got out, in, but shout out our guy, JJ. He was really hoping Notre Dame would get in. I was too, especially after that Oklahoma state, like that was, that was that was a game that was yeah. crazy um that was real friday night lights flashbacks but in real life that was yeah. awesome 
Um, no, I think the committee got it right because you don't want Georgia and Bama to play back-to-back games. Um, I do think having Cincinnati at four is correct, even despite that. I think Georgia proved that they're number three with their regular season. Um, I personally had Michigan number one and Georgia number four, but I I think you're splitting hairs there. Um, I think these are the top four teams. I don't think it really matters what position, what order you put them in. Yeah, I I agree. I think the top four obviously – is the correct one. And it's funny to think about how if Oklahoma state was just six inches closer to that pylon, how we could either be talking about how Cincinnati got snubbed from the playoff or how Georgia got left out despite going 12 and 0 in the regular season. And and I don't know who, excuse me, the the committee would have picked in that situation because Georgia coming off a blowout loss, you don't want to leave Cincinnati out, but I, I think they might've gotten, the the cold shoulder from the committee if that happened obviously it didn't so we can't really say anything about it but um I agree with you I think Michigan actually should have been one uh Georgia probably should have fallen to four just to make the the loss to Alabama a little bit more meaningful um but you know at the end of the day if both teams were going to end up making the playoffs um Alabama and Georgia that is then I, I don't think the rankings really mattered other than avoiding a rematch immediately in the semifinal. Um, so yeah, I, I think the top four is correct. I I'm happy Cincinnati got in um, really am because the group of five has just been neglected for a while. Uh, obviously the right set of circumstances had to happen and they got in and they, their, their prize is number one, Alabama. Um, so the, we want Bama, it's finally going to come to fruition for Cincinnati. Uh, should that honestly, it's intriguing because you, you don't see this kind of, uh, stuff, uh, in college football. You, you don't get a Cinderella story for the national championship. And now we, we get to see it on the field and see if Cincinnati can really play with the big boys. Uh, and if it's anything like the peach bowl against Georgia last year, they can, um, I don't know, uh, that we'll get into more of the, the projections, um next week but michael from the the two playoff games i what do you think uh who do you think is more intriguing like what matchup do you think is more intriguing and and what what do you like i mean yeah i think pretty clearly the more intriguing matchup is georgia michigan um no offense cincinnati i i think that'll be hopefully a decent game i hope it's close Bama opened as a 13 and a half point favorite. That's probably about right. Um, They'll probably win by multiple scores. Just looking at the track record of semifinal games that don't include like an SEC big 10 opponent. Like you look at the ones that have included PAC 12 Notre Dame typically haven't gone so well. Um, So hopefully Cincinnati bucks that trend, but we were talking about a little bit, a little bit before the show. I think the Michigan Georgia matchup, will be really good. I think these teams match up well with each other. Georgia matches up much better with Michigan than they did with Alabama. Cause obviously Michigan can't throw the ball. Um, yeah. And obviously Alabama could, and Georgia's run defense is incredible. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see that matchup play out. Um, I assume you're in the same boat. Yeah. I, I, you know, Part of the Alabama-Cincinnati matchup is, like you said, we've seen Notre Dame and these other, like Oklahoma, get blown out by Alabama every year. 
So why not throw a group of five team in there and see what happens, you know? Uh, and I think Cincinnati is the right candidate to do that. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But like you said, you know, Georgia, Michigan um, obviously is going to be uh, the best of the two semifinals um, just because you have Jim Harbaugh, Kirby Smart, you have Michigan who hasn't been in the playoffs yet. Georgia's who's only been in the playoffs. Uh, this will be the second time. Um, and you got two fan bases that really want to end their misery, want to end their long withstanding nightmare of not being nationally relevant. Um, and I think the, the two defenses going at each other will be the best part of this game because I think you can see a really low scoring matchup, almost like the Georgia Clemson season opener. I don't think it'll be that low scoring, but um, you could definitely see these two defenses get after it. And I think the Georgia defense is going to want to respond after just being embarrassed on national TV a week ago. Um, Early, early projections. I'm feeling kind of okay about this game. Cause like you said, I don't know that Michigan can pass the ball very well. Um, like a few of the passing touchdowns against Iowa from Michigan. I mean, one was, of them was a trick play. One of them was a trick play. Perfect pass. Yeah, no, um, it was, I don't even know who that player was, but man, he's got an arm and he got, he threw him in stride, like all you want out of a trick play. They, they executed it perfectly, but I don't think trick plays will work against this Georgia defense. No. Huh. Um, Georgia opens as a seven and a half point favorite. I, and listen, I, I could see it being a touchdown game. I could also see it being like a field goal. <laughs> and I, I think also the storyline that it's going to come down to is, Who's going to be Georgia's quarterback? Uh, is it going to be Stetson Bennett, which I think it's probably going to be? I was about be. to say, it's probably going to be Stetson. If Kirby didn't make a change like yeah. this far, I don't think he's making a change. I And I agree with that. I I mean, I agree with the idea that Stetson's going to be the starter. I don't agree with the fact that he should be. Um, but if Stetson comes out and plays like he did against Alabama, Michigan's going to do the exact same thing that Alabama did to Georgia. And it's that's a tough reality, but Stetson Bennett has to be better. And that offense has to score when they get the opportunity, they have to score in the red zone. Um, and you know, they have to get the job done. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, I'm excited to talk more about it next week. Uh, when we break down all these bowl games and whatnot. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Michael, tell the people where they can find you on socials. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at Michael underscore Hall 33 for all your Gator football content, Jacksonville Jaguar content. Unfortunately, I'm just at a loss for words with that franchise. It's just been horrendous. Urban Meyer, I don't know what Urban Meyer does during a game because he's not coaching. No, he's just he said that he doesn't call plays because that's Daryl Bevel's job who needs to be fired. Um, that's a whole other thing that I could get into, but I won't. He doesn't call plays. He doesn't decide who's in the game because he leaves the rotations up to his position coaches, as he said, while simultaneously throwing them under the bus after each and every press conference. Nice. He just stands there. He just stands there and like facing the sidelines. Where he like where he like puts his hands on his knees and just like <laughs> looks all sad on the ground. 
Um, I wish you guys could see this. I know this yeah, is was, an audio podcast. I'll post but... it on Twitter with this podcast, the, the, the clip of Urban doing that. It's the Urban Meyer pose. Um, yeah, I've got Jaguars content on there. Yeah. It's a lot of depressing stuff. I'll make some jokes every now and then, mainly Nick Cassianos related. They're still um, going strong. Still going strong. <laughs> I will always go strong on those every yeah. time. Um, and then follow the alligator and follow alligator sports. Um, obviously heading into break, there won't be as much content, but we've still got guys working, guys and girls working, um, 24 seven to make this a great student paper. We've got a reporter at the basketball game tonight. We'll have reporters at games over break, um, breaking news, in-depth stories, all, all you want, um, at the alligator and at alligator sports. So make sure to follow them as well. Yeah. And you know, you, you can find me. Uh, on, on Twitter at Jack Duffy. It's very similar kind of content, very student journalism oriented, and also a lot of Atlanta sports pain because like like Michael, I also deal with the Atlanta Falcons. You um, you won a World Series. So the, I don't the, know if you can call it all pain because you have been, that team back on it's always. It's been five weeks since the Braves have won a World Series and the Braves are still world champions. I'm still waiting for the day they take it away. Uh, I have my little... <laughs> little little hat here my world Series champion hat you know um but yeah there it it offsets some of the atlanta like i would not be able to make it through this falcon season if the braves didn't win the world series because man um it they're something they are something and they're still in the hunt so um it's a weird playoff push because they're five and seven and the nfc is so bad that they're still in the hunt so lots of content with that um I, I'm writing for the football team. So obviously as we get closer to the playoffs, there's going to be content about that. I, I just released an article today. It got published. It's a beginner's guide to the college football playoff. If you have no idea what that's about. So go check that out. It's on at, at the red and black. So follow at red black sports for all that kind of stuff. We have plenty of writers still covering sports. we got men's and women's basketball doing well. Uh, and we're getting ready to, start covering in the spring, which is the busiest season of, of the year when it comes to collegiate sports. So be sure to follow them um, uh, and follow at student media 25. Uh, the student media poll just announced a great big uh, partnership with the Indiana daily student. Uh, lots of funding and, and new uh, resources for the student media poll to use. Uh, Patrick Feltz has done an amazing job uh, growing the brand of student media with this poll um, and we're hoping to continue to do so uh, at, while we're still students, you know, support student journalism. So follow at Student Media 25 for football, basketball, uh, men's and women's basketball polls uh, throughout the week. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Um, so come back next week when we talk all about bowls uh, and, and really dive into these playoff matchups. See you guys. See ya.